Welcome to Love You Later by the podcast, otherwise known as the Psych Monologues. I am Dr. Ray Mitch, your host, and I I had an epiphany today. I suppose that is not a shock to the people who know me, because it doesn't take a whole lot to get my attention. Uh, and epiphany, by its very nature, is about revealing things and revealing things in a way that uh, maybe we haven't seen it before, even though it's been staring us and kind of hiding in plain sight kind of thing. But my, my epiphany is this, and some of it revolves around my current life of, of kind of living and connecting with people through Zoom and all that that has to offer or all that it steals from us. And um, I, I, there are not very many times where I feel like I, I, I'm, qui- I'm, I'm, I'm uh, what do I want to say? I am trying to figure out in my mind about something that's missing. I mean, have you ever had that where you, you're talking to someone or you're going through some experience and you're saying something, something is missing here. I just don't know what it is. And it occurred to me today because today is, is and I'll explain this more in a little bit here, but today is kind of a, a day of lasts. It's the last day of the semester at CCU, and it's the last day of groups as part of one of my courses that I teach. And these groups have been together for 14 weeks, uh, sans the, the, the kind of huge pothole we hit called the coronavirus and the quarantining of the entire nation and all that went into that. But here's the epiphany. As I was sitting listening and talking to people today, it, it was the mute button. Yeah, yeah, the, the mute button. <laughs> I mean, that that sounds so simple. I, it's like, well, welcome to reality, Captain Obvious. I mean, what's new about that? But what's fascinating about that is that I, you know, I sit and talk to people, and the last I checked, I they can't hit a mute button on all the things that they do in any given conversation. They really can't. I mean, the the size that they might make, or I, and I've, I've talked a little bit about this already, but the, these little tiny presence cues that we have. When we're sitting talking to somebody and suddenly those are muted. And so somebody now has the ability to mute themselves. I mean, the, the, the way that this kind of caught my attention is, is when, if ever, when we're talking to somebody, that the, the channel of communication between me and the other person is completely silent. There's nothing there. As a matter of fact, it is really glaringly obvious when somebody doesn't mute themselves. And, and there, oh man, there's so much here that could be unpacked and talked about, but I won't get into that because I don't want to be distracted. But, <clears throat> well, maybe I do, but that's another story. So, <laughs> the, the, 
when is that channel of communication ever completely muted? So it's silent. I mean, all, all I have in front of me as I, I sit and talk to a group of people is kind of the Brady Bunch experience. It's just like people are sitting there looking at me or the image of me that's projected on their screen or looking down or whatever, but there's no other noises there at all. And for somebody like me who, who thrives on that kind of um, nonverbal extra communication communication, it's eerie. It really is truly eerie. I, 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 it was amazing to me in some respects. And it occurred to me as I was sitting there thinking about this is that the mute button actually mutes the sense of presence I have with another person because all the, the, the nature of who they are is contained not only in the words that they use. See, we, we tend to focus way too much on words. And I think everybody at, at first blush understands that our communication with each other is only a portion of it is the words we use. Only a portion of it. And I, I'm not going to get into conjecturing about what the percentages are or anything like that. That's, that really isn't my point. But the very thing that is potentially healing in our communication with one another is the very thing that is stripped out by a video communication with somebody. That I can turn off these extra cues and things that, in a sense, we need even to feel connected to somebody else. Because in, in the best of counselor language or counselor ease or whatever, is, is the things that we do as counselors that we do that are listening noises. And the channel, at least in Zoom and a lot of these other um, video platforms, the channel switches from the person who is talking to the person who's making those sounds. And if I make those sounds, I'm going to miss the stuff that somebody else is saying. And see, we're, we're incredibly designed to manage overlapping communication patterns. So I can be listening to somebody and, and saying, mm-hmm, and oh, wow. And they can still be talking. As a matter of fact, they would be talking. But that's... You know, that stresses, I mean, if we're going to personify Zoom, it just stresses Zoom out because it's got too many channels of communication it's trying to handle. Ultimately, it's always just two. It's me, the other person. They talk, I talk, and then we take turns and switch back and forth. And But overlapping is is a whole other thing. And that that's remarkable. It, it really is. It really is part of, I think, the drain that we feel in our communication with one another using this video platform. Is it safe? Yeah, in the health sense it is. But in the interpersonal sense, it's a danger because we begin to fall into this pattern of not really attending. I mean, I, I, I wondered not really out loud because nobody was really listening. But I, I kind of wonder to myself, I, I, I wonder if I'm going to have to relearn 
that kind of communication with other people. Now, I, you know, it's communicating and talking to other people and all our patterns and all that sort of stuff. It isn't going to change much. I mean, I, it's kind of like riding a bike and I'm just, you know, I'll just get on it and keep right on going. The problem is, is that I haven't been affected by what's happened so much so that I might fall back and reevaluate and actually relish the personal contact and personal presence and and relationship that there is there because there are so many of our cues that are being removed and i i said something about this yesterday is that you know people are walking around with masks on you have no idea whether they're smiling or snarling or whatever they are and all we've got really are the eye cues and then if they're wearing sunglasses then we really are sucking swamp water i mean there's really no way to get at what's going on there and so i thought i'd just share my little epiphany with y'all just to get us started tonight um i i uh, i don't think i even well i did the the um uh, podcast love you later bye i'm dr ray mitch your host i'll go through all the necessary uh introductions um and one thing I wanted to mention, just housekeeping, and I'll, I'll hit it when we get to the end, is uh, I, I encouraged people last night to go to my website. Um, and what you'll notice immediately is that the website looks like it has nothing to do with me because I'm not the centerpiece. The centerpiece is community. I mean, it's entitled A Dangerous Community. And the, the tagline is Embracing the Mystery and trusting the journey. And so that's the emphasis and that's kind of home base, if you want to use that word, it's kind of uh, uh, Grand Central Station for the things that um, I talk about, that uh, resources that I, I provide uh, through my classes and other things. And, and it's kind of the place where I send people to connect with me and some of the things that I'm talking about in this podcast. Now, I wasn't doing this before. Uh, on occasion, I would sit down and word vomit a, a, a blog post and, and just kind of rant on something for a little bit. So now you get to have it verbally, which sounds like a real delight. So um, all that being said, that's just an explanation of where you're going to. Uh, and I'll, I'll hit it again. Uh, later when I'm finished tonight. So what we've been doing and what I have been saying is that I, I'm, I'm kind of leveraging and using kind of the, the overarching life lessons kinds of things that, that I have used as the framework for most of my teaching at CCU and that, that, that is the backdrop or at least the launching point for what what I'm talking about um, in this podcast. And so I, I quite honestly, uh, you know, I looked at a few po other podcasts, people that I admire and people that are doing things and I'm, I'm sitting there watching them and thinking, holy cow, this is, they're really kind of well-structured and everything's worked out and either they have questions or they have a specific topic. And, and quite honestly, I just, you know, no holds barred. I don't have that. I 
I, I, for what it's worth, I'll just share about the things that are happening in my days and in my life, and perhaps that will connect with you and some of my reflections and thoughts on it might be useful and helpful and encouraging. And I'm hoping that maybe that will help. And, and we, can, we can look at it and say, yeah, we're going through this thing together and there's some things that are affirming and things I need to think about. And that's kind of what this podcast really is about. Now, the sub kind of agenda, which I'm very open about, is that this is kind of my um, um, feeble attempt at offering a graduation gift to my, the seniors, not mine, I don't own them but the seniors of the psych program at CCU. And so anybody else that's listening in gets to listen in on that little, this little conversation that I would be having with them at the end of the semester. Uh, I think, I think, I'd, I'm not sure about this, but I think some of the things that I'm talking about can apply really to anyone and, and really apply to uh, people at whatever stage of life they're at, even if they're not a college senior getting ready to launch it off into the wild blue yonder and and hoping for the best and and um, not real sure about what's what's awaiting them so um, that's kind of a backdrop for what this is about what the agenda is for and all that so I've been walking through some major what I've been, I what I think I'm going to start calling it's kind of life lessons and we looked a little bit about or talked a little bit about not we, I, me, you're just listening in. Um, but I, I've been talking about, you know, the fact that the journey matters. It's the destination is important, but my destination generally, even from a spiritual sense, is, is already forming and already clear to me. So then all it leaves is the journey. And what am I going to do with that? And who are going to be my journey companions? And how am I going to conduct relationships on this journey? And all of those sorts of things. And the journey really does matter. It's really very, very important. So that was the first one that I talked about. Uh, I think the second one that I mentioned uh, and talked about, spent a little time talking about, uh, was was really the idea of, of perspective and perhaps it's a little overblown. Our tendency is to kind of slap it on and hope for the best. Um, another one is you can't lead somebody someplace you've never visited. I don't think we would ever hire a guide and, and um, you know, kind of get signed up for whatever the trip is we're going on. And, and we might, you know, kind of clear our throat and kick the, the dirt a little bit, kind of sheepishly ask, um, have you ever been to this place? I mean, how do you, how do you know about the guide and, or, or to be a guide? And he said, well, I know the map really well. I, 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 I know that. Um, maybe he might add, if, and this is, dates me a little bit, but he might add, and I stayed at Holiday Inn Express last night too. <laughs> but I'm not a doctor. I'm not a, really a guide. I really haven't been there before. And I think promptly we would ask for a refund and walk away. And yet, oftentimes, even in our lives, we tend to want to lead somebody into their heart without ever visiting our own. And I read you a quote of someone that said, you know, um, that in a lot of cases, uh, if man is to turn his heart toward God, he's got to return to it first because he's been so absent from it for so long. So that's the, the second theme. The third one, which we talked about last night, 
is that the challenge of, of being a good soul friend is to meet people where they are, not where they should be. Um, and, and being able to uh, meet them where they are, not, not to condone, not to uh, say it's okay, just stay there, you're fine. It, it, it is to connect and begin the journey with them as well. And, and that's, that is the beginning of change. Because I said, I can't change what I won't accept. I can't move from any point on the map of my heart if I won't accept where I am right now. And I can always look to the horizon and say, that's what I'm going to do. But that doesn't, that, that doesn't let me start. I, you know, I, if I'm on a map, what's the first thing you ask? So where am I? <laughs> and now on our maps, we've got these little kind of bubbles that have a point at the end. And it says, you are here. And I, I don't know about you, but for me, I need somebody to say, hey, um, I get it. And I see you where you are. And now we can talk about where you are. And now we can perhaps consider a way to move from there. So that's the, the third theme that we were talking about, third or fourth, depending on how you're counting. Um, and, and the last one, um, I, I, the way I want to get into this, and this may make this podcast just a little longer, but bear with me, um, is, is to describe a little bit for you the kind of day that I've had. And this may seem very mundane, but, but hang with me here. Because like I said, at the beginning, this has been a day of lasts. And I, I have uh, three groups that I run every week with students. And it, it has been a heavy week. It's a heavy week. Um, because there's one thing that we absolutely deplore, and that is saying goodbye. And, and the one thing I will tell you about my day today is that this is one of those few days that I felt like I got to sit in on a sacred moment. I, I, I would probably even go so far to say that it's, it was a holy moment because I, I was privileged with the opportunity to watch people after 14 weeks of meeting people, meeting each other where they were and affirming and entering into the pain and the sorrow and the excitement and the joy, all of those, to meet them each other there, just wherever they were. And that's no easy feat when we're talking about 9.25 in the morning. I, I, that's, you know, some people may be morning people, but I, the, as far as I can tell, there's very few college students that fall into that category. And the remarkable thing that I watched was people affirming each other and saying, I have never experienced something like this ever. And I never really thought that intimacy, as people oftentimes describe it, it was even possible. I mean, in some respects, some of them said I had just grown hopeless and hoping less that it would ever happen and despair. And yet they could sit 
on a, a morning on the last day of the month of April after four and a half weeks, well, six total weeks, but for all of April, meeting with one another through a screen and say, I have never felt so known in all of my life. And I have never felt so safe in all of my life, which is a remarkable thing for anyone to say, not just college students. I'm talking about anyone to say that. And so they began to share and they began to share hopes and dreams for one another and hopes and dreams of their own and, and affirmations and key highlights and memories that they have of our time together over the, you know, the 14 weeks. And there were remarkable moments. There were absolutely miraculous moments, not to mention the fact that today was a miraculous day in their efforts to live out the kind of dangerous community that is the vision for the website I created six years ago. Because that's a dangerous community. But the question is, is what is it dangerous for? Or what danger does it pose? Well, it poses a danger for living superficially or artificially or creating an appearance of something that isn't there and taking the risk of being known as they are, here it comes, not as they should be, and being known in that way. And it fires the heart of motivation to become even more. And I think that's really the power of grace because grace creates this space for us to make the kind of changes that we deeply desire. And so... The, the key theme that I want to talk about, and this, these groups today were a, they were poster children for this, is seeking to become people that can be known and seeking to become people that seek to know. And that's, that's a worthy undertaking. It is very much a worthy undertaking. The thing that I talk about a lot and that I continue to develop even as I talk to college students and, and teach and think and pray and all the other things that, that I do to kind of process my own thoughts is something that I call the stained glass self. And the concept or the, the uh, yeah, the concept of the stained glass self is that there is a tendency for us to create an image of who we are rather than show the reality of who we are. And the way that we go about doing that is we create a stained glass. Now, the beauty and wonder of stained glass is usually it tells a story. And it tells a story for the people that are looking at it to accept as true. The one thing about stained glass, though, <laughs> is that you can't see through it. Whatever is on the other side of that glass, you can't see. All you can see is the image that has been portrayed by the stained glass. And for all of us, we lapse into the stained glass function that we, we engage in. We lapse into it. Most of our lives are spent 
getting fractured by the assaults on us and the things that are said, not to mention the least of which is the things internal to us that we say. And we put the pieces back together and we try to create a better image and people can, can applaud and see it and say, yeah, that's you. But somewhere, I can't help but think that with that being the strategy, it contributes to the pervasive sense of loneliness that I hear people talk about all the time because they're separated from people by the stained glass. They cannot be known only through that medium. And so becoming people who can be known and who seek to know means that we have to find a way to come out from behind our stained glass and take the risk to be known. Now, don't get me wrong. I am not saying that you know you go out to the nearest street corner and you begin to broadcast all of your worst experiences and all the worst of you and everything else and think, well, this is the way to go about doing this. No, 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 no. That is not the way to go about doing this. But moving, committing to move from behind the stained glass with people who, one, appreciate that effort and how hard it is, and two, the people that I am coming out from behind the stained glass to are people that are safe enough to handle what I have to say from behind the stained glass. Now, the lifelong undertaking we all are in if we want to be people that can know and be known is our commitment is to move our stained glass from that to pure glass. Now again, that doesn't mean that I don't have, I don't immediately, going with this metaphor, I don't immediately go out to blindster.com and find the best set of blinds I can because not everybody is worthy of seeing in and the information that I have within that, behind that glass is mine. And I choose who gets to know and how much they get to know after I've had some time to understand who they are. Now, if somebody's not willing to be known, then I better be pretty careful about what I open my blinds to. But the, 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 the other aspect that I'll add here, and then I'll probably continue this on, um, tomorrow night just to finish it up for the week is that there are things that we can capitalize on to help us begin to melt the stained glass and and the first thing that we have to talk about is what holds a stained glass window together because that really I mean if you've ever been around anything any stained glass that is really really big it is exceedingly heavy. Now, granted, glass can be heavy of its own right, and I, I'm not diminishing that. But what holds it together is a metal that is extremely malleable and also melts under extreme heat. And generally, it's some kind of compound that has lead in it. And that lead holds it all together. So if we're going to unpack this metaphor a little farther, what's the lead? And I would suggest to you that, that the lead that holds my stained glass self together is shame. Now, 
a lot of people do not understand shame, particularly Christians, because we think it's exactly the same as guilt, and it isn't. Because guilt is about my behavior, shame is about my identity. Another way to put it is guilt is about my performance and shame is about my person. So when I say that I've made a mistake and I'm a horrible person, I have just brought together shame and guilt or guilt and shame, whichever way you want to put them together. So the question is, is how do I melt that? How do I get the, the lead out of the way and begin to shape the pieces of glass which can be turned into a wonder of color and a, an explosion of beauty but how do I get there and there is three things and I will continue this tomorrow so if you want to hear the rest of this I will continue it but it requires not really requires this is not an exhaustive list but it's a key list I think is it requires some kind of crisis Something that heats it up, something that is a turning point. Uh, I had a friend say tonight it was an inflection point. And can I leverage that to begin to, to melt the, the lead that is holding that thing all together? So it is a crisis. It is also some measure of practice at self-reflection. And then finally, it is inviting feedback from safe people in my life. And those are not easy to come by, by any stretch of the imagination. The one thing I will tell you before I, I, I bring this to an end, the one thing I will tell you is we are in a crisis. We are in a crisis. It is completely unexpected, and it extends our resources to a breaking point. Because a lot of people are saying, I'm over this, I'm done. I am just done. I, have, I don't have any more to commit to this thing. And those three things are the three things I want to come back to. And I'll talk some more tomorrow night um, as, as a kind of fitting ending point to this week. So that's it for tonight. Thank you again for joining me today, tonight, whatever time of day you're joining me. I am honored that you would be willing to take a half an hour out of your day to to um, uh, spend some time uh, with me and our, our time just to sit and talk. The beauty of this medium is you can hear, you can hear all the things that I was saying was stripped out because of the Zoom phone calls. It's not on mute. <laughs> you get all of it from the chuckles that I do that sometimes gets misinterpreted to all the other things. And uh, of course you can't see my gestures. I don't know that I'll ever get to a video log or blog um, but that all that being said thanks again for joining me i'm dr ray mitch your host and i will end as i always end every evening love you later bye